Hi, this is Sarit Schwetzer, and welcome to the It Is Taught podcast, a podcast devoted to the teachings of Rabbi Schneir Zalman of Liadi, as recorded in his most famous work, the Tanya. My hope for this show is to make these teachings accessible and relatable to the average person, regardless of prior Jewish education or affiliation. The episodes follow the prescribed daily study portions and are meant to serve as practical lessons in how to live your life as your true self and develop an authentic and powerful relationship with your Creator. I have personally experienced the effects the study of this work has had on me, and I'm excited to share what I can of this knowledge with you. So please join me on this journey of learning, self-growth, and connection with your source. And welcome to the It Is Top podcast. This is episode 356 for the 19th of Cheshvan in Alipir. Think of the last time that you wanted something that you really, really wanted something, or maybe there's something that you want right now. There's something that you really, really, really strongly desire. Why do you want this thing so much? What, what is it about it, this thing that you want? Uh, so most likely you'll have a couple of answers. Maybe you'll say, you'll start rationalizing and you'll say, let's say we talk about, um, a car. Let's say somebody wants a new car. So they could say, well, I want this car because it's, I need it in order to get to work. It's going to be really practical for my life. Um, it's going to help me get around. It's, it's really something necessary in my life. Okay. Those are all nice rationalizations for how, for why you want this car. But at the end of the day, why do you really, really, really want this car? Like, what is it about this car that you really want? Um, that's going to, uh, that like, why do you want this vehicle that's going to help you get to work, that's going to help you get around? It's because it's going to give you pleasure, right? It's because it's going to make you feel good to have this car. Being able to get to work, being able to get to the store uh, faster with your own vehicle, um, ha- that's going to give you pleasure. So there's a really strong link between desire and pleasure which might sound really commonsensical, but it's something to really think about. And it's something that's going to be a subject, a big subject in today's uh, kind of the focus of today's Tanya, this focus, this connection between desire and pleasure. And in, uh, in Kabbalistic literature, the connection between these two things is described in such a way that they really are two sides of the same coin, uh, where one side is the inner side and the other side is the outer side inner side is pleasure and the outer side is desire. So this has been talked about in psychology many times, right? Like that the the whole pursuit of man or whole life is all about the pursuit of pleasure. We're trying to go towards pleasure and away from pain, things that cause us pain. So we want things that make that give us pleasure and we don't want things that bring us pain. It's a very easy thing to understand. It's it's sort of at the basis of who we are. So as we'll learn God has this as well on his level. So because we were created in the image of God. So again, as I've explained many times, um, this doesn't mean that like God is like a human and has these, um, has all the foibles of humanity, but it's more that like we were created in the image of God. So, so our bodies, our minds are kind of like imperfect semblances of God. It gives us like a little bit of a taste of what it's like for God, what, what God is like. So just like we have this uh, connection between pleasure and desire, God has this as well. For God, it's 
even more intimate because for us, well, yes, we do have this intimate connection and and it's a very deep part of ourselves, the pleasure and desire. Nevertheless, these are just aspects of our soul. Like for a human being, we're a little bit more compartmentalized than God is. That it's like there is what we want. There's uh, who we are, our personalities. um, There's our intellects. There's our emotional faculties. There's all these different things and they're, they're a lot more compartmentalized. So they're not really unified in the same way that they are with God. So also, I mean, on another level, when we think about our desire and our pleasure and what we derive pleasure from, what we want, these are things that are external to us by definition, right? It's like we want things that we don't have uh, versus for God, God is really unified. There's nothing outside of God. So so it's, it's not a perfect analogy, but it's something that can give us a little bit of a semblance of how it works for God. That when we talk about God's will and God's desire, God's will and his desire are intrinsic to he, who he is and everything's unified with God. So all of his faculties are unified with him. So he's not compartmentalized in the same way that we are. And also when he wants things, they're not things that are outside of him. They're actually intrinsic to who he is. This is very hard for us to understand. Like we can talk about it, but we can't really fully grasp it because it's so foreign to our reality. We, we live in a world that there's us and then there's other things. There's God, there's other people, there's the world, you know, things like that. For God, it's all part of him. Um, but nevertheless, this is sort of like the paradox of Hasidus, the paradox of creation is that God wanted there to be an other. He wanted to have a relationship with something other than him. And this is why he created us. This is why he created the world. And he created us and the world in such a way that we actually perceive ourselves as being separate from him um, with the ultimate intent to recognize our unity with him, the ultimate intent of manifesting God within this diversity. That's that's the point of all of creation. So why are we talking about all this? What, how, what does this connect with the Tanya? What's the context of all of this? Well, we started learning a new epistle yesterday, Epistle 29, where we started talking about the in, in extreme value of the mitzvahs, the commandments of the Torah, the, uh, the things that God commanded us to do. And we were talking about how these things are very, uh, very important, of course, right? We all know that, but they are in a certain sense, we can actually think of them as being higher than the Torah itself in a way, because what, while the Torah comes from God's wisdom, the mitzvahs come from God's will. And as we'll learn today, the will of of God, or really the will of any being, is intrinsically connected to pleasure. And pleasure is such an intrinsic part of of any being, whether we're talking about a person or we're talking about God, um, to the point that we can say that it's it's kind of like the highest faculty. It's higher than wisdom. It's higher than than any of the other faculties. So by doing God's commandments, what we're actually doing is we're giving God pleasure. That's that's the basic idea. And this is and because God's pleasure and God's will is so um, tied up and wrapped up in who He is, this we can describe this will and pleasure as being light, a radiance of Him. And this is why we described the mitzvahs as being garments of light that we wear, that our soul wears. And this is why, as we spoke about yesterday, the soul needs to reincarnate many times in this world in order to fulfill all of the 613 commandments um, that they might not have done in previous lifetimes in order to have their fu- their soul be fully garbed, in order to have their soul be able to really radiate God's light. Uh, because the, the mitzvahs are the... the 
tools that allow us to tap into God's light without expiring. So it's sort of like, just like, again, going back to the analogy of the car, the car is the tool that the person uses in order to get that pleasure that they derive from going to work, making money and, you know, all of those things. You need that car. That car is necessary to access the pleasurable feeling that comes from it. So let's get into the text and see how the Altar Abba explains all of this. And for context, again, we are in the middle of Epistle 29. And so the Altar Abba begins and he says that this light that we've been talking about, so this light that uh, that the, the mitzvahs are, are made up of, really. So he spoke about how this light is not totally revealed, right? Otherwise, like we wouldn't be able to exist. This light is, is hidden away for the tzaddikim in the future times when at that time the tzaddikim will be able to handle this light. And what is this light called? So this light goes by a few different names. One name for the light is Noam Hashem. This is the pleasantness of God. Another one is Tzachot, which is a pleasurable thirst. Um, another one is Lita Negal Hashem, to derive pleasure in God. And another one is the Daled Mot Almin Dechsufin Mitangei Behun Tzadikai Achulei. That is a citation from the Zohar, for the first part of the Zohar on page 123b. So, which means the 400 worlds of longing in which the Tzadikim delight. And um, and the Altarabah points out uh, that this th- in this Aramaic word says Dalet mot almin the four hundred words words of a longing. This word chsufin longing um, is related to the word kesef, the silver, because as it is written, um, this we find in Brachis chapter twenty three verse fifteen. The same word it says alvamot shekel kesef, four hundred shkalim of silver of kesef. So this word kesef chsufin is related to it's both longing. It's um, like a desire and also related to silver so okay so now what is this all about so so this light if you're feeling confused let me try to explain it a little bit so if there's these four terms that we use for the light of god noam hashem the pleasantness of god the pleasurable thirst delighting in god and the 400 worlds of longing or silver um so what do all of these terms have in common they all have in common this idea of desire and will, right? So the pleasantness of God is like there's something pleasant about it, there's, which means it's it's delightful. There's something enjoyable about it. That's something that's pleasant is enjoyable. It's delightful. Pleasurable thirst also. It's a pleasurable thirst. And then delighting in God, sim- simply saying it's delight. It's pleasure, right? And the 400 worlds of longing also. There's this idea of longing. You want something. What do you want? You want something that's going to give you pleasure. So... This light is very much associated. That's what the ultra is trying to uh, bring home is that this light is very much associated with the idea of pleasure and uh, and desire. And within this light, continues the ultra bed, there are many different levels. Um, one above the next, like many, many different rungs and many different levels. But the radiance that comes down, that issues forth um, f- from one level to the next in order to to create this garment... Uh, which we've been talking about, the garment that garbs the soul, which are these mitzvahs that we spoke about, comes from the lowest part of this light. And this this lowest level of the light is called the madriga ha'chitzonah, the 
external light or a choraim, as we've, if you're familiar with that term, we mentioned it a few times, the hind part, the outside part. So basically what the altar is saying is that there's this light of God, which we associate with pleasure and delight and desire and all of that stuff. Um, but then th- this light has many, many different levels to it. And the lowest of all the levels, that lowest of all the levels is the light, which garbs the soul when it does a mitzvah. And, um, and we call this, ex- this lowest level of the light, we call it the, 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 the external level and also the ahoraim, the, the hind, the outside level, basically. Um, as is explained in the Zohar, says the Alter Rebbe, on page 208b uh, in the commentary um, called Mikdash Melech, and also on page 210b, where it talks about, and that which is left, like the light which is left. So it's like the lowest level, the level that's left over, kind of. So now to explain all this, to understand this, the Alter Rebbe is going to go on a little bit of a tangent here, looking at a person. So he says that when you look at uh, the soul of a person, the soul of a person has this uh, faculty of tainug, this faculty of pleasure, that we derive pleasure from things that give us pleasure, right? It sounds kind of oxymoronic, but right? It's like, um, like let's say if we get a new insight, we, we understand something new, like we have like a, an aha moment or something like that, or things like that, then that gives us pleasure. So in short, it's like things that we find pleasurable indeed give us pleasure. That's the basic idea. And so now the external aspect and the the hind aspect of this, of this aspect of pleasure, is the aspect of desire, of will. Because you want what you want, and uh, meaning to say, what is it that you want? You want something that's not going to bring you pain, because pain is the opposite of pleasure. So it's that basic principle, again, that comes up in psychology a lot, is that what do we want? We want to run away from pain and go towards pleasure. So in the Kabbalistic literature, Hasidic literature, the basic idea is that the pleasure, the way to understand this, the way that Altarabah is breaking it down, is that the pleasure is the internal, that's what we're trying to get at, and the external aspect is the will, is the desire. And so now the Altarabah says, it's just like this, this is this is how we can understand by way of analogy, the light of the Ensof, the light of God, um, as like so to speak, meaning it's not exactly the same way, but it's so to speak, it's the same idea. So, uh, so basically, h- how does this work? Is that we can say that the supernal desire, this the ratzon ha'elyon in Hebrew, is the aspect of the external aspect and the hind aspect, hindmost aspect, um, in comparison to the supernal tainuk the Oneg Ha'elyon, uh, or otherwise known as the Noam Hashem, the pleasantness of Hashem, and Zechot and Alamim Dechsufin, all these terms that we use above. Different ways of describing this light that we were dis- discussing that we started to realize is very much associated with pleasure, with God's pleasure. So, um, the altar of it continues and he says, however, for God, uh, it, the, the difference is, and why it's not the most perfect analogy, is that for God, uh, when we're talking about Tainug and Ratzon, these things are unified with him because him and his will are one and the same. Unlike the will of man, God forbid, um, which is not uh, which is not um, not unified in the same way. Like it's like you have a person and you have what they want, and it, they're not one of the same things, right? And there's a, and so it's it's not the same thing to the point that like you know as a simple example, you could see that people often want conflicting things. Or we're very fickle beings. We want one thing one day, we want 
another thing another day, uh, depending on like how healthy we are, depending on where we're at in our lives, that kind of thing. So there's us and there's our will. They're not one and the same things versus for God, they are. For God, God and his will are one and the same. Nevertheless, even though this is an imperfect analogy, the Torah spoke in the in the language of man in order to like modulate for the ear what is able to hear is the term used. And with this analogous way of understanding it and giving us a metaphor to be able to understand this by looking at the soul of man, which is made up of these two faculties of pleasure and of will. And also we have chokhmah, we have wisdom, we have understanding, bina, all those things. So we spoke about this in previous episodes, the faculties of the soul, the the different spheros, how we have a mirror image of the spheros inside of our own soul in our different soul faculties. Uh, So, and we see this in practicality. So now here he's going to go deeper into this illustration of how this comes up, this illustration of, of, um, of pleasure and desire in man that for a person, let's say a person has an, an insight, an intellectual insight, and they, they, they come to understand a wondrous insight, something totally new. Like they have this like total big um, revelation. They have a revelation. So at that moment, they feel a great pleasure, right? Can you think of the last time you had a revelation when you have this like, wow, this something that like, you know, it's like a new way of looking at the world or a mind blowing concept that somebody told you or that you learned for the first time or some kind of big realization that you had. This is a very pleasurable experience, right? And so this experience of like that you have this and you, you have this revelation of some intellectual concept and then this brings you pleasure demonstrates that the pleasure comes from a higher place than the mind and the chokhmah, but just that it is and the intellect just that it is um, being vested within your mind and in your intellect in your wisdom um, meaning to say that it's like you used this wisdom to tap into something higher than you it's like using your intellect uh, and through your intellectual faculties that kind of like switches on a switch that allows you to receive something higher from above that pleasure from above and it can kind of feel like this when you when you get this pleasure right and also like if a person okay so now we're past the like you know having a revelation stage but let's say something that you already know there's something that you really understand and you really comprehend and you you meditate on this concept and it's, it's a concept that really um you like a lot like it's a really cool concept to you um in this feeling of like thinking about it and meditating upon it, that's also going to give you a really great amount of pleasure, perhaps even a stronger feeling of pleasure because it's like really internalized. And um, so when you're having this experience, when you're, you're sitting and thinking about a concept that you already know, but that you think is like a really cool idea or something like that, uh, that what that's doing, the reason why that gives you pleasure is because basically you're tapping into the inherent pleasure that is vested in the chokhmah itself, in that intellect itself. But what you're engaging in at that moment is not chokhmah, but it's actually bina. Bina is more of that comprehension, medita- uh, meditative analysis kind of a stage. And so because this level of the comprehension meditation analysis stage is so pleasurable, we find actually that in the Zohar, Bina is called Olam Haba. Bina is called the world to come in the Zo- in the Holy Zohar because it's because it, it kind of gives us a sense of pleasure. And this is something that uh, is spoken about quite a bit in, um, in Hasidus about like the connection between Bina and uh and samcha actually and joy and pleasure like there's there's a great like bina is a is a very tremendous tool to help us access uh really 
amazing experiences on a simple level, just on a psychological level. That basically means the power of meditation and, and contemplation is really tremendous to help us to come into, uh, to shifting our mindset into really ecstatic states, believe it or not. Uh, and this is, and, and what happens in this state, what happens in this Bina engagement stage is that this is the revelation of the Chochmah, of the wisdom together with the Tainu, together with the pleasure that's vested within it, that this, and this is, now we can come back to this is, this is what the Tzadikim experience in Gan Eden, in the, in, in, uh, in the Garden of Eden, when we say that the Tzadikim are in Gan Eden and they're experiencing great pleasure, what they're experiencing at that time is that, that at that time they're actually understanding the inner parts of the Torah on a very deep level. So this is what gives them tremendous pleasure. This is where the, the pleasure is coming from. Pleasure is, is an intellectual thing. And which, and on that note, the altar but concludes, and he says that well, this is the Torah comes from from Chochmah, and the Torah and God, uh, blessed be He, are are completely one. So just to bring that home, so that's the basic idea is that the Tzadikim and Ganadian, what they're doing is they're having a deep experience of understanding Torah on its inner levels, and this deep experience is giving them tremendous pleasure. So the basic idea to conclude with here is just like to really understand a few things. First of all, the power of the mind and how when we think about pleasure, people often have this like mistaken understanding of pleasure that they think that pleasure is all about physical indulgence and just like it's a physical kind of thing when in fact pleasure is actually mental for the most part and is and can be produced through the mind very powerfully so um, through not only having these like new insights, which is a certain type of pleasure, but the real pleasure, the deeper kind of pleasure actually actually comes from really delving into the concepts, from really uh, meditating upon these ideas, from really having this full, complete understanding of whatever it is, whatever the thing is uh, that's, that is the source of the pleasure, that's where you're going to be able to access that pleasure from. That's how you're, you're going to get it, through that deep understanding and comprehension, which is why Tzadikim and Gan Eden have this very pleasurable experience because they're living in the state of complete comprehension and um, and understanding. And so we're going to continue with this subject tomorrow. I know there's a lot here, but just kind of to, to conclude, just to kind of keep it back to the main point of what we've been talking about, uh, the main point is that the mitzvahs are expressions of God's desire. These are things God wants us to do, right? On a very simple level. God wants us to keep Shabbos. God wants us to eat kosher. God wants us to dress modestly, things like that. And this will that God has is very intimately connected with his pleasure, with his faculty of pleasure. So when we do these things for God, this gives God pleasure. This makes God feel good. Just like if you have a child and you tell the child to do something that's important to you, or you have a partner and you tell the partner to do something that's important to you, and then they do it, then that gives you a lot of joy, right? That makes you really happy. Um, so all the more so for God, that's definitely the case that his, that his will and his pleasure are really intimately connected with him. So that should give us a little bit more of a, um, of, us, of our own pleasure and of our own joy. If we want to uh, make God happy, then we can do so by keeping his commandments. And hopefully that will give him pleasure and will give us pleasure as well. So that's it for today. And we'll continue along these lines tomorrow. And I'll speak to you then. Thanks for listening to the It Is Top podcast hosted by Sarit Switzer. This podcast is dedicated in loving memory of my maternal grandfather, Abraham Yitzchak Ben Binyamin Cohen of Blessed Memory. Music by Shoshana. 
If you enjoyed this episode and would like to support the show, please share it with others and subscribe on YouTube, Apple iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. And make sure to leave us a five-star review. To find out more about the It Is Taught project, including more information on my soon-to-be-published book, please visit our website, itistaught.com. To catch the latest from me, follow me on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Looking forward to speaking with you tomorrow, and until then, have a great day.